humans share more dna with apes and monkeys as compared to any other mammal and yet when it comes to cognition we are leaps and bounds ahead research has shown that the ability to ask questions could be the crucial cognitive threshold between humans and other primates we have been asking questions throughout the history of humankind from observations and experiments to libraries and internet we have been inventing tools and methods to search for answers as this is such a crucial part of our understanding it makes a lot of sense to design search effectively and that's what we'll be talking about today we'll start with fundamentals of search how designers can define and enhance this experience how can we measure it and finally what is the future of search so without further ado let's dive in fundamentally search is related to findability however the difference is that findability is looking for information in a known space whereas search is usually in an unknown space keeping the definitions aside the role of search today is much more than looking for answers it's about recommendations cross selling upselling and defining relations between objects it's no wonder that one of the most valuable companies today is based on search when talking about any digital experience we always think in terms of product platform users and content and search is no exception to this let me elaborate this point with a few examples to begin with we have google search the ultimate answering machine for most of us though the definition of product and platform is rapidly evolving in this case the core idea remains the same your intent is to quickly look for answers and google does an excellent job of giving you the results without any bells and whistles now compare this to your music search experience which at times can be more about discovery you might search for party music or hip hop or country music and the search engine will let you discover a range of artists and albums your search intent is a bit broader here and a good engine can give rewarding results at the same time your intent can also be very specific like looking for a particular song naps like sajam let you do that quickly and easily that's why it's important that a search engine like any other product should be directly mapped to intent which can vary from user to user for some it can be a look up for a known item while for others it can be more about discovery or exploration in an operating system the search engine should index and process metadata quickly and efficiently so that you can get to your file or application easily similarly a business app should get you specific results quickly when searching for transactions the search engine in these cases has to be precise and powerful on the other hand amazon's search results will let you explore items and also get specific with sorting and filtering so whenever you are designing search the first thing to consider is the intent and context of use along with an understanding of the product and the platform for which the search engine will be built okay now that we have some basics covered let's look at search design patterns the very first and perhaps the most obvious one is autocomplete thanks to google autocomplete in search has become so common that most websites and apps have adopted it note that google calls this pattern autocomplete and not auto suggest this is because autocomplete is designed to help people complete a search they were intending to do not to suggest new types of searches to be performed they are predictions not suggestions 
Another well-known pattern is scoping. In simple terms, scope search allows users to limit their search to a section or type of content. It can be auto, manual, or both. The best example of scoping is Amazon Search. It provides you manual scoping in the form of a small drop-down that you see next to the search box. You can search for all items or you can limit it to a typical section like books or beauty products. At the same time, it also provides auto-scoping. As you type a product name, the autocomplete feature will prompt you to look for that product in a particular department. For example, go ahead and type PH in the search box and you will see a suggestion for Philips trimmer in health and personal care. This is auto-scoping. Having said that, scoping is a tricky business. If not implemented properly, it can leave visitors thinking that your website doesn't have what they want. So always have a good discussion about scoping with your product and engineering teams. Moving ahead, let's talk about the search engine results page or SERP as most people like to call it. You always expect the most relevant results to come first. And that's what this pattern is called, best first. While it may sound obvious, it's not that easy to implement. The term best is subjective. So the ranking algorithms should account for personalization and relevance. When you are searching for someone on LinkedIn, you will notice that the first results will be related to your social circle or field of work. This is personalization of results. Similarly, Airbnb will account not only for your preferences, but also host preferences when delivering search results. Their listing algorithm will also consider relevance reviews and host response times. They have written an interesting research paper on how they rank and personalize results and have shared it in show notes. Talking about the results page, it should also have enough sorting and filtering options so that the users can narrow down the results. This can be very important for certain products like flight booking or even e-commerce platforms. If your product is extensive with lots of content and subcategories, you can also provide faceted navigation on search results page. This can also help the user to narrow down more easily. So what we have realized is that there are lots of parameters to consider when designing search experience. It begins with understanding your product, business objective, users, and the platform. But what's also crucial is an understanding of your system architecture and how indexing and algorithms work in your search engine. It's important we collaborate closely with engineers to understand the system. Back in 2013, my startup, which was a social learning network for science, was using a third-party service for search, which was pretty basic with no elements of modern search. The performance was also not so great, and so we decided to build our own search engine. Our engineer was involved not only in requirement analysis, but also in defining the information architecture strategy. At the same time, I was also closely collaborating in defining the engine performance by understanding the algorithms at work. We use Sphinx, an open source search server, to build our engine and introduced auto-scoping and auto-complete much like the Mac OS Spotlight to provide a more efficient and robust search experience. Being a content-based social network, search was an important feature for us and we dedicated a lot of time and effort to it. The point here is that when designing search, you have to consider the technology, the technical expertise of your team and the cost. It's not always necessary to build your own engine, but if it's critical to your business, you would like to invest time and money into it. In fact, it's always helpful to build a sort of service blueprint when you are designing search. So, once you have designed any product, you want to measure its success or failure. 
Usually we take feedback through surveys and interviews for this purpose. While a survey can still help, analytics will be your key performance indicator in case of search. The simplest method is measuring click performance to understand if your users are getting relevant results. While this will work for most systems, you might need to consider other methods if you have a more sophisticated search results page with snippets and other related info. There is something called as good abandonment and bad abandonment when it comes to the search results. Users might get answers to their queries from the result page itself and they might not even click on any link. This is good abandonment. Bad abandonment, like it sounds, happens when users are not getting any relevant results on the page. Researchers at Microsoft developed a system that monitors cursor movement to understand if the user is getting his answers on the search result page. The rationale is that cursor movement is closely related to eye gazing patterns. As eye gazing gives you insights into subconscious movements and behaviors, cursor movements will get you similar data to understand if the search results are interesting to the user or not. I understand this sounds complicated and chances are that you might not even need it. But in case you want to know more, I have given links to some related research papers in show notes. If you ask me, the most preferred way is to do live traffic experiments with some instrumentation built in your system along with an external search rater quality tests if possible. Okay, so we have covered a lot of ground about designing search for the present. Now let's move to the future. And it's already here with Voice UI. Alexa, Google Home and Siri give you answers on the go and are becoming better at it with every passing day. When it comes to designing, the basic concept remains the same. Understand the user's intent. If you develop an Alexa skill, the first thing you have to specify is the intent, which is the action that fulfills a user's spoken request. A user might ask the same question in different ways. So you have to also give some sample utterances. The important thing here is that voice searches usually return only one result, which means if you don't get it right, the user will just throw in the towel and move on. Things are also getting interesting with Google Assistant and chatbots. The point to note here is that search is becoming more ubiquitous. It no more just lives in your browser. And as more smart devices come into play, search will become omnipresent. With advances in machine learning and natural language processing, it will become even more personalized, which sounds exciting and scary at the same time. Today, our search queries have to be specific and we are still bound by the form factor of physical devices. But imagine a Jarvis-like future where your search begins with a voice command, but the results come up as a heads-up display. Or you ask which is the deepest place on earth and your mixed reality device takes you to the depths of Mariana Trench. Your search results will become more visual and sensory. I think we have seen search evolve a lot from the days in early 2000. And this is just 18 years back. That said, it's not a solved problem. The tools and technology might change, but people will always search. As designers, we have to keep an eye on ever-evolving technology and users' needs. I always suggest working on a search product at some point in your career because you tend to learn a lot about technology and people. It's a product that gets you into various aspects of perception, attention, behavior, and technology. While it involves a lot of work, it's always worth the effort. On that note, I would like to end this episode of Doors and Devices. Do subscribe and rate the podcast on your favorite tools. Send me your feedback on adit at finepointlabs.com or on Twitter at Adit Gupta. I would love to know how I can make the podcast more enjoyable and helpful for everyone. I'll soon be back with the next episode. Till then, have fun designing.